Welcome to this very special festive episode of Sunday Roast. Sunday Roast, the Christmas dinner. We're going to give you a rundown of the most unprecedented year through food and drink, from the food trends that shook 2020 to the wackiest product launches and our roasts and toasts of the year. Grab a mulled wine, eggnog latte and or a Bucks Fizz and join us in our feast of what went down in the food and drink world this year. That would make me a very round robin indeed. Honestly, I've just got delivered so much wine, I'm feeling so festive. I'm like, <laughs> Alexander, how are you? Are you feeling festive? I'm good, thanks. I am feeling festive. I could be feeling more festive. Okay. However, I'm I'm ramping up for my full festive force. Okay. Um, Give it a percentage. I'm currently, I'd say on a high 50 a 59 percent, i reckon um 59 okay i've eaten all the christmas sandwiches all the christmas chocolate i've had a festive bake but i've yet to listen to my first christmas song of the year what have you not been into a shop i know i haven't i really haven't i've been hermit at home I have been listening to Christmas tunes non-stop. <laughs> I've literally just been sat with Christmas pop playlists on, courtesy of my housemate, and we've been blasting them out and it's been great. I think I've just been so busy catching up on all the things that we couldn't do in lockdown that I've not even had time to like fully set into the Christmas spirit. But yes. I think for me, this is going to kick it off. Yes, this does feel like the start of Christmas for sure. We've got a festive beverage. What have you got, Cara? Festive beverage. I actually have a festive cocktail that I made myself, which feels ridiculously extravagant, but it's just how we roll in 2020. So it is whiskey, slow gin, clementine juice, a bit of like clementine peel for va-va-voom, and some Angostura bitters. And it's supposed to be shaken over ice, but who's got the time and the life for that? So it's kind of like kind of Negroni vibes. It's very tasty. Oh, that is, that's a festive Negroni. Yeah, it could do with a cinnamon stick poking out of it. That's all you need. What have you got? I've just gone for a good old glass of red wine. Beaujolais. A Beaujolais, as red as Santa's suit. <laughs> and that's how red my face will be after drinking this bottle <laughs> my face has already been that red several times today Aww. what's been happening at work babe <laughs> work drinks at like 4 p.m i can't help it i just can't have a beverage in the afternoon and not go bright red you're a 59 percent festive i think i'm at 82 <laughs> but uh, i've been above 50 from like the 28th of september <laughs> That, that is true like, you literally <laughs> as soon as your birthday was over in the summer you were like I was like Halloween oh yeah you were like tiny pumpkins yep yeah and then the second that was done you were like ho 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 bitches oh, honestly the second that pumpkin is roasted and made into soup I'm like ho fucking ho let's <laughs> let's get their stockings up let's get Mariah on it is your season yeah it really is it's a season of lots of foods that I can't eat and I choose to anyway. So I'm good all year so I can just be unwell this fair December. A season of defiance, you know. And I love a pop banger and I do think that Christmas songs are kind of the ultimate pop banger. The best Christmas songs have a little bit of everything that makes the best pop song. Yeah, for sure. All the best Christmas songs have a Valerie edge to them. You know, like the... what, what do you mean by that? You know, like the songs that the pop songs at a wedding that everyone sings along to and knows every word and makes dads dance with their arms in the air like a robot. Mm -hmm. But we'll also make girls who are drunk like scream. scream. Yeah. Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine style. (laughs) (laughs) We all know that festive reference. Like the best Christmas songs do to everyone what Mr. Brightside does to Cameron Diaz in the holiday. <laughs> Glass of red wine in hand, scarf on because you're freezing and screaming. Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. That is a powerful insight right there. Two bottles of wine deep. Tell me I'm not doing the same thing to Wham. We all are. Yeah. So we thought a fun idea for a Christmas episode would be to do kind of a best of 2020. And when I say best of 2020, I mean also mainly the worst of 2020. <laughs> We're going to go over the things that we just think 
deserve to have one more discussion before they get forgotten forever. Yep. We are talking the best and worst trends of 2020, the most outrageous M&S product, wackiest new products, <laughs> and then a few other slightly more holistic <laughs> categories that and- caught our eye when researching. Yes. And on top of it all, we're going to end it with me trying the least Cara Davis item of food that's ever been produced, which is the <laughs> Aldi Wensleydale with white chocolate, raspberries and Prosecco. Oh. If it tastes as bad as it smells, this podcast will end with me vomiting into the bin that I have handy. I mean, truly the festive finish that we would all wish for. <laughs> a festive finish. <laughs> I was trying to think of the words for... Will that fit in my stocking? A festive finish? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We thought like a good way to start was I'm always really interested in like top internet searches. Mm -hmm. I loved it after Brexit when people were like, what is Brexit? was like the top Google search. Oh yeah, and how to elope to Canada I think was in the top as well (laughs) yeah for sure so the most search of 2020 has been released and obviously given this unprecedented year you can imagine some of the things that made it to the top of the search but some of them I'm I'm just I basically need to check in with you because I'm like have I missed something massive so (laughs) okay so the how-to questions of 2020 yeah what do you think was the third highest how-to how to wash your hands nope oh then how to make bread surely yeah the sourdough bros reign supreme (laughs) third most searched how-to how to make bread the proven princesses <laughs> what i need to know which i'm like have i missed something big here yeah the sixth how to is how to cook eel what did you see that trend is it something i've missed no do you think it was when the supermarkets ran out of food everyone just went down to their like local <laughs> river and like pulled out some old sea snake and were like this looks like an eel people used to eat eel Maybe it was like the one thing that everyone had at the back of their cupboard <laughs> that they were like, I'll get round to cooking that eventually. It was like a jelly deal. And they were like, well, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm not going to do it ever. My mother has a hilarious story that she's going to kill me for telling this on the podcast. But when they, her, my mum and my dad were like newly married, they went to do their food shopping. She goes to like the fish counter and was like, <laughs> and was like, oh, can I get two bits of cod or whatever? But she wasn't paying attention. Halfway around the supermarket, she realised she hadn't been given cod. She'd been given a whole eel. and so she didn't know what to do with it and was too scared to take it back and they'd done all their food shopping she was like it's going to be room temperature eel now so she just hid it behind some cornflakes and abandoned it oh my god (laughs) so maybe this was my mum trying to atone for her since how to cook eel all these years later she was like i wish i'd just give it a go <laughs> how did she realize it was eel was it like wriggling around I, no in a little bag no, babe, they're dead <laughs> the fish and sainsbury's yeah but i you don't bop the salmon on the head when you get home <laughs> i'm imagining it you know the tank of the lobster oh you yeah it out. that's fair no the eel was it i think she picked it up and realized it wasn't fillet texture it was snake texture <laughs> Oh, no. no, no. Imagine you're picking up two fillets, but instead you pick up essentially a fishy rope. (laughs) Oh, I almost spat my wine out there. (laughs) A fishy rope. What else is eel? I mean, maybe I should have Googled it, but it's kind of a fishy rope. (laughs) Sorry, that is an unacceptable pairing of words, Cara. I'd love to know please please send us a message if you were cooking eel in lockdown i mean i suppose you can get like unagi sushi that's eel right yeah but the whole point is with sushi is it's not cooked you're not cooking it yeah and i also just no offense great british public but i don't think that's what you were doing i don't think that enough people in the uk were making unagi sushi for it to rank sixth <laughs> I think it's a TikTok we don't know about. That's my guess. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it ranked before how to treat coronavirus. And that is why we're in the position we're in now. 
Yeah. I mean, unless eels, like eels manufactured the Pfizer vaccine or something. But then why would we cook them? What about if it's actually to do with I'm a celebrity? Yeah. We've just, because this is not necessarily lockdown one. We're thinking also lockdown two has just happened. What got the British public through lockdown two? Yeah, maybe. I'm I, a celebrity, I get me out of this Welsh castle. I haven't watched it this year. I watched one episode, but it was kind of like a bunch of year six students <laughs> at one of those out of bounds camps where you go abseiling. PGL. <laughs> it was very PGL, like Mo Farah running around in a gilet. I was like, any minute now, some like 19 year old in a gilet is going to come out and organise them all to go caving. Also on this list is the top 10 recipe searches of the year. Ooh. Obviously, bread comes in at number one. Blah, blah. I'm quite surprised in the top 10, banana bread isn't here. I can't believe that. I can't believe what's number two either. Yeah. So number two is beef bourguignon. Three is school cake. Is that the cake with sprinkles, do you reckon? Yeah, that recipe went viral. Someone just made like a sheet pan cake with some runny icing on and some sprinkles on. Everyone's like, it's school cake. Like, (laughs) why is everyone losing their mind over a white sponge? You know who does school cake really well? You you know our favourite shop near where I live, the Midnight Munchies? Yes. Yeah, they're school cake specialists. Yeah, 100%. I, I will get school cake from them and them only. I wonder if this is only UK based because the fifth one is white bread recipe. No nutrition, please. We're British. <laughs> <laughs> Vitamins who? Seven, Wagamama Katsu Curry. Yeah. But just it just reinforces to me how basic we all are. People had 24 hours in a day to think about what they wanted for dinner, and they wanted a nugget. <laughs> they their ultimate dinner was a big nug with curry sauce. Oh, it, it is the curry sauce, isn't it? That's so British, actually. Yeah, a big nug with curry sauce and white rice. I'm surprised, though, because I really thought katsu had its day, you know. I mean, I like a katsu, don't get me wrong. But I, I thought it was kind of like we were a bit post-katsu now. I don't. This confirms exactly what I thought. I like number nine. That The ninth most searched food recipe was the IKEA meatball recipe. I like that, too. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, we would normally have a festive trip to Ikea every year. Yeah, it's kind of our little tradition, isn't it? I think I might have some gravy knocking about somewhere, but it's just not the same, is it, when you do it yourself? No, I have meatballs. I have a bag of the Ikea meatballs in a freezer and a sachet of the gravy mix. Shall I post you some meatballs and we can do a, <laughs> and we can do a Zoom meatball eating? Yeah, so yeah, that's what the British public have been Googling. I'm just unsurprised by the lack of variety. But hey, it was a trying year and we all just reverted to comfort. Yeah, definitely. All of these things are big comfort food. Not one of them is courgette bake. No, thank God. (laughs) I'm very impressed actually with the buff bourguignon being second. That's quite interesting. I wonder what prompted that. I actually think I know. There was a big thing in America about people making Julia Child's buff bourguignon recipe. And I don't know why it is. It might be because of the film Julia and Julia that's on Netflix. Amy Adams plays a woman who is a journalist and she decided to cook her whole way through Julia Child's Guide to French Cooking cookbook. Uh-huh. And in it, like Julia Child's, one of Julia Child's most famous recipes is her buff bourguignon recipe. And loads of TikTokers were making it. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm intent on believing that theory. Potentially believable. The British lockdown menu is beef bourguignon, a side of three breads, Ikea meatballs, a big nugget and curry sauce, white bread. School cake. And school cake for pudding, yeah. Guys, cook a vegetable, people. <laughs> I quite like that it's so brown and beige. It's like, so beige. I quite admire that about... No, as Nojella would say, we are firmly in the, we're firmly in the beige brigade, aren't we? Mm-hmm. What was it that I said the other day that we should be... Nojella says the brown brigade and we said we should be the beige babes or something. Oh, the Beige Battalion. The Beige Battalion. That's very us. Yeah. Well, those are the trends that shook the internet. What were the trends that shook us in 2020? Alex Ann? For me, it's got to be banana bread. I love JT Firstman and his impression series of 2020. Mm -hmm. For me, the banana bread. If you had to put a bit of internet content in a time capsule to summarise it, for me, it was the hi, BB. For me, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hi, baby. <laughs> yeah, banana bread was just iconic this year. Yeah, it had its moment. And then 
obviously sourdough had its massive moment as well because everyone was finally home enough to (laughs) feed a bloody starter (laughs) we had some amazing sourdough delivered by bread taxi and as well my housemate became a sourdough connoisseur and she's still making loaves on the regs much to all our benefits that's amazing what a commitment I made a starter but then all the shops ran out of flour so I couldn't feed it and my sourdough died (laughs) It did first before it died. It made an impressive layer of hooch that I was like, if I was in prison, I'd drink that. But I didn't because I didn't want to die. The other massive trend of this year was Dalgona coffee. Oh, yeah. That instant coffee that was all whipped up with some sugar. Foamy, frothy coffee was very much the aesthetic of the summer. Looks great, but you're going to burp so much after that. (laughs) What's your ultimate, though? Is that your ultimate? My ultimate would probably be apple print toast, which we made a little tutorial on back in early lockdown, back in Locky One. Locky One. I loved it. It's probably just my inner cottagecore lesbian, but I just thought it was just Sorry, such a inner? trend. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> my overall. It was very beautiful, but largely pointless. <laughs> that is the Libra way. <laughs> I was like, please do not offend the aesthetic that I aspire to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm going to need you to sign an NDA because you're going against my core principles here. <laughs> what were your trends that shook 2020? All the smaller ones were the absolutely everything that you've mentioned. But my kind of big one is recipe boxes. Yeah, this has really been the year for yeah, it. Yeah, before this year, I think unless you were like an M&S mum who <laughs> used to get a lot of like picky bits for your tea from M&S... Okay, see, that's the vibe I aspire to with the Libra aesthetic. It's M&S mum picky bits dinner. <laughs> I understand that, which is why I never understood with HelloFresh why people traded in the picky bits life for HelloFresh. <laughs> I was always like, you're wasting your money, you're throwing it away. However, this year, recipe boxes have gone mad and I actually do take back all the rude things I ever said about them because I oh my god I know um need to check your temperature because I think you're unwell (laughs) you're having a fever in the past I have been known to roast a recipe box but now I'm like I kind of understand it more but restaurants doing them I think it makes it more exciting I love people like creating like a patty and bun burger at home and I thought they were a really nice treat with a bit of effort but not too much effort (laughs) yeah it'll be interesting to look at like the actual numbers for how like various different places did but I think in terms of brand capital people who put out those boxes have really like got a place in people's hearts now I'm sure yeah something about it is just so creative and fun we've said this before on the podcast the main challenge I think with the lockies one and two Sorry, the Lockies. The Lockies, one and two. The thing with the Lockies was I really realised how exhausting it is to cook for yourself three meals a day, seven days a week. Because I think Mm -hmm. even like in like normal life, I'd go out for dinner one night a week and you'd eat breakfast in the office. There's more variety in your week. But being at home, I was just like, can't believe I have to cook and wash up again and I think that gave me a taste of what life is like for people that don't enjoy cooking as much as me in some ways people felt this guilt about having all this time Mm. but not wanting to make that dinner from scratch every night or not wanting to do this big fancy whatever once the initial kind of novelty wore off I think recipe boxes definitely provide a happy medium where you feel that sense of accomplishment and you know, it's still a wholesome mm. way to eat. Yes. So recipe boxes, I think you're here to say, and I'm pleased about yep. it, contrary to yep. previous Cara. <laughs> so in a year of so many new trends, what trend from 2020 would you like to bin? For me, it has to be TikTok hacks, TikTok <laughs> cooking hacks. With specific special mention to the toaster steak. That steak haunts my dreams. Like, I I think as well, one that came off the back of that, which started going around after our 
last ep of the season mm. was someone showing you how to cook using just the items from a hotel room. When I saw this, I was fuming we'd ended the season because I was like, <laughs> the roast we'd give this kettle salmon would be immense. <laughs> just the idea of going to a hotel and searing salmon on an iron, <laughs> like going to a Premier Inn... <laughs> And searing a piece of fish on an iron that other guests are supposed to use on their clothes in the middle of a block of other people who are trying to have a night's rest from whatever they've got to do. Like, oh my god! Oh, like salmon is already quite a contentious food to cook in a communal space. Like, I always go for the oven bake because I don't like the fishy wafts. I think as well. Most of those big block hotels these days don't have windows you can open. No. It's only aircon. Yes. Imagine that fishy smell going through the entire aircon system of the building. Forget Corona. We need to think about the teriyaki fish skin. <laughs> this has been picked up by the Independent, and in the intro, it says an innovative chef. Like, can I just say, innovation is a word that just didn't exist when we were kids, and sometimes I think it should be left in the past. There is such a thing as innovating too far. Not everything is an innovation. Sometimes it's just a shit idea. (laughs) Also, this would be innovative if he was doing it with his own iron in his own house with his own aircon system that's it's just so disrespectful to everyone else staying there to be like i've got some wacky ideas and i'm not afraid to try it out but i'm gonna try it out in this publicly shared space so everyone else has to smell my salmon fumes because i won't get a takeaway honestly food innovation this year has had audacity Yeah, what people have allowed to come under the umbrella of innovation this year has been stretched to its absolute limit. Today, I saw After Eights that were gin and tonic flavoured and I picked them up and threw them back down because innovation's gone too far. Okay, so he does salmon teriyaki on an iron. He makes a bloody omelette on the iron too. Shut up, an omelette. Sorry, scrambled eggs, even worse. Scrambled egg. He does pak choy in the kettle. Sir, this is not a restaurant. I mean, as like an anthropological observation on humans, fascinating. As a precedent for other people to follow. At this point in the internet, have we not learned anything? We all know that all those videos of skateboarders doing tricks made teenagers bash their faces in. Why are we (laughs) playing with food and fire? It's not okay. People will go and do it and think they're the next Gordon Ramsay. Oh, so true. So true. Nah. Cara, to lift us back up, what's your trend or trends to keep from 2020? Glad you asked, Alexanne. I am passionate about this. (laughs) And we've already mentioned this in the fact that we are the Beige Battalion. And I think that this year, in 2020, we've seen it in the Google searches. The trend that I really hope stays around is comfort food. Like... The internet's reaction to Nigella's mash last week with like four and a half packets of butter in it. Iconic. Pasta (laughs) is all over Instagram like never before. This is the first year that I can honestly say I have not been presented with a single strand of courgette and I live for it. Yeah, I think Pastagram has been popping off this year and one of our favourites... Foods of Joan has been solid as a rock when it comes to seeing the foodie content that just makes you, it just feels like you're getting a warm hug. 100%. I've just loved this year. We've got time to cook. Let's get some meat slow cooking. Let's get something in the oven for four hours. Let's make pasta from scratch. We've got the time to roast a whole effing pumpkin. Let's do it, you know? (laughs) I really hope it stays. Obviously, when you get home from work, you're still going to have a stir fry because it's 8pm and you're knackered. But I really hope that people's love and appreciation and confidence in their ability to make ravioli stays around. And I think we've said before, like everything's just had to be wholesome because you couldn't go out and get wankered this year. I, I think as well, I know we've talked a bit about before, but there's definitely been a beginning of a backlash to this ideas of looking at food and how you eat as punishment or reward and and this thing of you know oh I was really bad so I ate like this or oh I'm Mm. sorry I've gained weight because 
of this and it, I think we're starting to collectively come to a stage where it's like we don't have to apologize or for... justify yeah you don't have to earn your food you can just eat it's really nice that comfort food has been such a, a staple of 2020 because it's like, yeah we all need bloody comforting honestly yeah. yeah that has been my big trend that everyone eating <laughs> pasta is my trend of 2020 yeah I think that is definitely the trend to keep we're going to move now into the slightly more frivolous i think <laughs> let's let's lighten it back up let's here. lighten it back up and go to our favorite category and i'd say the category that's kind of defined this podcast which is alex ann what was your most outrageous product that marks and spencers brought out this year <laughs> okay this is one that passed me by at the time but after doing a little bit of research came to my attention <laughs> and I need to talk to you about it because I want to know if you've seen it too. <laughs> this is one that passed us all by because it was around March time it came out, which mm. was obviously we had other things to think of other than this. M&S came out with a box of cheese eggs. Cheese eggs? Are they eggs in the shape of cheese or cheese in the shape of eggs? The, the latter. The latter, okay. Why? So, uh, why (laughs) let me actually let me send you the picture i'm imagining like an egg box but instead of having what the fuck (laughs) so is that do we think a wax egg shell to protect said cheese with i would say a mature cheddar yeah and then a little orange center of a red leicester perhaps correct absolutely spot on so you actually could buy a box of six cheesy eggs just just that phrase like I know it's going to be so it's not sitting well with me yeah it's 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 one of those things like the word moist where it just like gives people that guttural it's giving me the ick yeah Yeah. six cheesy easter eggs barber's farmhouse cheddar with a mature red leicester yolk handmade and covered in blue wax can I say it once more why? So guess how much it costs. Oh, like £24? <laughs> <laughs> A box of six cost £8.50. Easter <laughs> is for kids. Can we imagine how disappointed your five-year-old is going to be when they sit down hoping and praying that the Easter bunny has dropped them off the galaxy egg and instead they get presented... With some extra mature chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate here. I loved a baby bell because it's essentially just a baby bell, right? Yeah, I mean, don't get me. This is like everything we slag off about MS. I slag it <laughs> off and I'm like, yeah, but I would eat it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I will eat it. But it doesn't mean it's right. We, we point the finger, but we scoff the egg. <laughs> And I don't feel like that got the uh, the criticism it deserved at the time. It absolutely no. did not, which is why I'm just bringing it up now. What's your most outrageous M&S product of this year? It's been really hard because quite frankly, the M&S food development team have not had a day off. And like, the devil works hard. Chris Jenner works harder. The M&S food development team <laughs> work even fucking harder than them put together. Like they have not stopped working. And I think up there, we've got some honourable mentions. The giant stuffed Percy pig that cost 25 quid. Mm. The Percy pies were particularly mm. ridiculous. Crispy, crispy flither nuggets. Flither nuggets, the chip shop scraps for 18 quid. They were stupid. But the winner for me is the bag of decapitated Colin heads. <laughs> and the reason I think it is outrageous is because it's outrageous how much MS have manipulated us into thinking that it's the best idea. Like, everyone was like, oh my God, I'm so pleased. I can finally just eat a bag of Colin faces. And then you think about it and you're like, all we've ever wanted to do is eat the face of Colin the caterpillar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't make him feel great about himself. His poor chocolatey bod. That's the thing. Is there now a big storage crate full of bods? Oh my God, I love the idea that... They just lobbed the heads off loads of pre-made Collins to make this product happen and didn't do it from scratch. Honestly, I think the most outrageous product of the year is just Colin the Caterpillar. He's a well-beloved birthday cake that's got ideas above his station. And now, <laughs> and now we're eating bags off his faces. Have you seen 
the names of the other supermarkets version of Colin. But I really hope you tell me. This is a great article which came up in the house the other day. <laughs> so obviously all the supermarkets have... I, I don't know if... Yeah, I don't know if it's like this year, like they lost their trademark or something like that. So do we think these are his distant cousins? Yeah. From Sainsbury's, Wiggles the Caterpillar. <laughs> Morrison's, Morris the Caterpillar. Tesco, Early the Caterpillar. Co-op, Charlie the Caterpillar. Asda, Clyde the Caterpillar. <laughs> Waitrose. This is so on brand. Cecile the Caterpillar. <laughs> Oh, name that you need a BA ons in French to say. <laughs> what will keep the riffraff away? Oh, no, we'll call our children's birthday cake Cecile. You can just imagine it now, can't you? Like a little Lord Fauntleroy being like, Mummy, I want to Cecile the caterpillar for my birthday. Here's a scenario for you you're the Marks and Spencer's corporate lawyer. Your work this already. You've been trained for years. And your first job as the senior lawyer for Marks and Spencers is to go after <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> Curly, and Cecile, the second cousin caterpillars, who seek to usurp the throne of Colin. Do you stay or do you go now? I don't know because that's the kind of case that could make or break a career. But that's even worse. The audacity of Colin to make and break people's careers. He's had ideas above his station for a long time and it's about time he got taken down a peg or two. No, I, I think you're absolutely right there. What's next? Colin the Caterpillar for Prime Minister? At this point though, who wouldn't vote? Tell me. Yeah, I think he'd probably do a better job. We've had a two-party system for way too long now. <laughs> when will baked goods be added (laughs) in a year of the ridiculous who's been your go-to content creator the one you turn to when you want actual knowledge for me it has to be and I'm not turning to her for knowledge necessarily because I can I know I could never replicate what she does but in terms of producing beautiful videos and beautiful recipes and food creation Mm. it has to be Pippi Eats for me I love her for those who don't know Pippi Eats she's also a cancer research scientist turned cook yeah and she specializes in noodles and dumplings, creates all her noodles from scratch. And it's really interesting because in all the content she makes, she always gives a scientific breakdown mm-hmm. of like why she's doing what she's doing, which is just such a nice touch. And I watch it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to stretch that. I've got to stretch that gluten. I'm never going to make noodles from scratch, probably. But I <laughs> love watching her do it. Just creates the most. They're very ASMR, mm-hmm. like beautifully shot put together videos she often quite likes an r&b backing track but yeah for me best food content creator has got to be pippy eats cara who has been your favorite food instagram of 2020 for me it's kind of a no-brainer and it's the boys at well good blog oh I love them. Honestly, they are so good. The description on Instagram is blaggers not bloggers and I think it like, <laughs> sums them up. Welcome blog got everything I love about food. They call those M&S deli pots Tory pots, which is accurate. You can't <laughs> deny that they have inexplicable Tory energy. Even if, you know, people from all political leanings eat them, I understand everyone likes hummus, but they are Tory pots. That's what they are. (laughs) Like, it's undeniable. And they're just like these nice boys from Manchester who eat food and find great local places, independent places that everyone wants to eat at. It's very like, this was tasty. This was great. And it's very much about the experience of eating, which I love seeing blogs and instagrams are just about the joy of eating and there's no pretense like you said i i do think everything they photograph looks delicious but i don't think i don't think there's this idea of let's make it look pretty and dainty for the ground so much of their appeal and their character and what makes them great is in their captions it's just like how you describe it to your mate if you text them about something you've just eaten that's it yeah what about best food podcast alexanne favorite food (laughs) podcast of 2020 
This is a little bit of a cheat because it's my favourite food podcast of forever. Okay. But mine has to be Hoovering by Jessica Foster Q. We love. I love Jessica Foster Q. I think she's the funniest person ever. But I remember I first started listening to it when I moved back to London after living at home for a bit back in 2018 and it's the perfect mix of great food content when you get those really like visceral descriptions mm. of food and what people are eating and why people love what they're eating, but also like really clever bits of social discourse on why people eat and all the sort of historical and psychological factors mm -hmm. that go into the way people eat and why people eat the way they do. My absolute favorite episode of this year was her one with Arabella Ware. And it was just a very touching, but also darkly funny episode, which explains how she was raised to view food and view herself and those very relatable themes around good and bad eating yeah. and good and bad behavior and how that impacted her and her life. So I would definitely recommend listening to that episode. It's just been a really comforting, but also joy inducing series mm. that's definitely got me through this year and we were lucky enough to get jessica foster q's roast of the year from one food pod to another jessica foster q was so kind as to share with us what her roast of the year was Hi, I'm Jessica Foster Q from the Hoovering podcast and the thing I want to roast is the idea that you can put any old food, any any muck, leftover fruit or vegetable inside a muffin and call it a breakfast muffin and then ask people to eat it, especially children. I'm kind of done with that. It's a real thing. It's absolutely everywhere. And as a result, last night, my partner... We've got a glut of kiwis from a fruit and veg box, made kiwi breakfast muffins. And they were one of the worst things that's ever happened to me, actually. Really, really bad. Really, uh, like a kind of, like the sort of thing you'd use to fill a hole in a wall with the occasional shard of sharp, furry kiwi in there with it. Harrowing. Yeah, undeniably the most unforgivable breakfast food. <laughs> yeah, 100% breakfast muffins are the worst. From the worst breakfast to the best breakfast, Cara, what's your takeaway of the year? My takeaway of the year is a place that does our favourite breakfast in the world, which is congee. Dumpling Shack for noodles in Spitterfields has been mine and Alexanne's socially distanced outside eating <laughs> meeting place of choice. We have both walked the hour it takes to get there on many a bloody <laughs> freezing day in Lockie too. Worth every step. Worth every step. They've done an amazing congee this year, which has been like a rice porridge cooked with chicken. And it was just like amazing. And we take it away and eat it on a bench. And it came with that fried <laughs> dough stick, which was the best thing ever. Also just do amazing dumplings. They do amazing hand-pulled noodles. And I think if you get it on your Deliveroo, lucky bitch like we're a lucky bitch because it is worth walking an hour and a half for and I have done many a time in lockdown I have to testament to that yeah it was such a delicious perfumey mm. bowl of all the flavors you could want yeah. everything was in there and it all worked perfectly together yeah when you're not walking 26 miles to get breakfast what's the first place you want to go to for 2021 Darjeeling Express's new site in Covent Garden I love yeah. love Darjeeling Express I went to its old site in Kingley Court and thought it was just the most magical food it was amazing and uh, Asma Khan is like a powerhouse she was the first I think she was the first British chef on that Netflix show chef's table chef's table yeah, yeah. she's amazing on that oh, and she's super super cool she's unreal food there is insane and she's just opened in a massive restaurant at the edge of covent garden that used to be this huge carluccio's and i'm desperate to go and have the like biryani tasting menu which is eight courses with this like biryani this dumb biryani that was on chef's table that i think is going to be my post-pandemic treat 
2020 has been such a weird year and a lot of it's been about nostalgia and like revisiting things that we loved and a niche category but one you insisted upon is what was your most who comeback of the year when I read most who comeback of the year I read it as most whoo <laughs> like most like whoo <laughs> most <laughs> I was just like, words won't do justice to how exciting <laughs> that's really made my day. Um, so what's come back to haunt you? That's just a bit of a who. So this is one that is hot off the press as we record the pod in a comeback to rival take that or Spice <laughs> Girls. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think that's fair to say. <laughs> What's something that came back that no one wanted? Take that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It had come back to rival Take That's Morrison's adverts. <laughs> <laughs> A comeback that nobody expected or I think wanted. <laughs> Woolworths is bringing back Woolworths Famous Pick and Mix. Just in time for Christmas, Woolworths Famous Pick and Mix is coming back with 100% of the profits going to a charity partner. 11 years. 11 years? Who who on the marketing team was like, do you know what, it's been 11 years. I think people are ready for Woolworths. Honestly, they must have brought people out of retirement for this. (laughs) (laughs) 11 years after stores closed in the UK, you can grab a jar of the sweets the chain was famous for. I mean... I don't think they were famous for the pick and mix. I think it was a convenient location to get them. But I don't think anyone was like, Woolworths had the best pick and Also, mix. I don't think it was famous for pick and mix. I think it was famous <laughs> for shoplifting. <laughs> I mean, when we say it's famous, I think, yeah, it was famous among teenagers for being the easiest place to shoplift from. Because you can just stick your hand in. It was a buffet. It's famous for being oh, easy pickings. <laughs> This is a more or less a confession as to being the single underminer of the Woolworths Empire. No, honestly, this is not a confession because if anybody knows me, they'll know my aversion to buffets. For this reason, I never had the Woolworths Pick and Mix <laughs> because I knew that all my grubby mates' hands had been in it. Too strong. Too, too strong. You know it. You know it to be true. Honest to God, I would never. But honestly, I think that is why it's iconic because people remember it from their youth of being like, oh, just walking through Woolworths, I'll go grab a handful of fizzy fangs on my way through. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hooiest comeback it's such a who comeback like i just feel like of all the things people were like oh do you know what we could really do with right now in this what's been this really difficult year the, the one thing that we want back no one said Woolworths pick and mix like absolutely no one where can you buy these very.co.uk <laughs> oh my god <laughs> who now own the Woolworths brand name. Very's one of those shops that sells everything like Argos, so I'm not surprised they're selling this. But I do still think yeah, of it as a, as a clothing shop. That's my most who comeback of the year, which I think we can safely say no one saw coming. No, that is a large, large who. Oh, well, at least it was for charity. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any other food charity events of the year of note? Yeah, I do. And a real high, high, high honourable mention has to go to the guy that ate all those kebabs. Des Breaky. <laughs> Des Breaky. Yeah, I love Des Breaky and he will be forever in my heart. But we need to give the listeners some new content. And I think this just about scrapes it being better. An article from the Sunderland Echo. Competitive Eater scoffs Five Guys menu in just over an hour for charity challenge. Competitive eater Carl Gibson took on more than 13,000 calories in an effort to raise money for a food bank. What a sweetheart. In the article, does it say what the 13,000 calories is equivalent to? It does, because it's the whole menu at Five Guys. So imagine you ordered everything that Five Guys sell, (laughs) and that's all on a table in front of you, and you ate it all, and that's 13,000 calories. And he managed to eat it in 60 minutes and 51 seconds. Icon. Icon. He raised £500 for the West End Food Bank in Newcastle. Do you think 2021's the year that we need to do a nuts food challenge to raise money? I think we do. <laughs> Any ideas? 
I'm really keen to eat a full menu of somewhere. And I know I've got it in me. This is the moment I've been preparing for my whole life. Can I ask for somewhere with lobster? Yeah. Let's do like, what about the whole menu at like steak and lobster? (laughs) Actually, we can't do that because that's bottomless fries. So that is like Dante's Inferno of eating. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to give a special mention to finish off our... very niche categories of award (laughs) i wanted to give a special mention to the best food and drinks related brexit headline of the year go on boris johnson's charm like a trolley in a supermarket car park has its limits (laughs) what does that mean is it like when they have their stoppers on so they can't go over like the cattle grid on the way out you're exactly right Article by Marina Hyde from The Guardian. She says, Let's warm our hands on the bin fire and remind ourselves how it's come to this. On Wednesday, much was made of Boris Johnson's ham acting dash to Brussels, with some saying that it had come down to his ability to charm the EU. Ah, the old Johnson charm. If I had to alight on its defining characteristic, I'd plump for, doesn't travel well. The Prime Minister is like one of those trolleys that stops working once you reach the perimeter of the supermarket car park. As soon as he passes the White Cliffs of Dover, Johnson no longer functions as the repository of a hundred buy one, get one free delusions about Merry England and becomes useless. It's amazing. Stunning copy right there. Honestly, stunning. Copy of the year goes to you, Marina. You just know that she is just like, oh God, I've got to hand in this article tomorrow, but I've just really got no inspiration. This is just like the only place I've been is my living room and the supermarket. I can use that. She was like down big Tesco's and she was like, oh, I wish inspiration would strike. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, I can't just wheel all my bags of pasta all the way home. Shocking. This is just like Boris Johnson. Oh, it writes itself. (laughs) I think it's only right that we end our Christmas special with some Christmas food chat. Wholeheartedly agree. What festive flair this year has stood out to you pink prawn roses so i did have a look at the link you sent and i need you to explain what's going on here because i don't understand if i don't know what's going on here how would i know does the sentence pink prawn roses mean anything to you because it doesn't mean anything to me those are not words that go together here are the reasons it doesn't make sense prawns shouldn't be in the shape of a flower wrong roses not festive wrong Prawns are already pink. Why do we need to specify that they're pink? Weird. And I think it's like bits of phyllo pastry that they've dyed pink and made the phyllo pastry look like a rose and then just like stuck little slithers of prawns in all the crevices. Do you know what that's the equivalent of? You know, on the last day of school when people sew prawns into curtains and put them behind the radiators and stuff as like a funny <laughs> prank for the new year seven. <laughs> Sainsbury's have created the volivant equivalent of a funny prank. I just saw it and I was like, I feel betrayed. (laughs) Prawns are like my favourite food. I feel so betrayed by them. Why would they do this to me? I know I've said this before, but can you imagine in some kind of bougie canapé setting where they're like, Madame, pink prawn rose? You'd just be like, excuse me? Madame, can I interest you in a pink prawn rose? You're like, sorry what is that a euphemism for some kind of illicit sex act you're going to perform on me because i don't want to eat whatever it is that you have to offer honestly and what's next turquoise tuna tulips oh sir turquoise tuna tulips (laughs) hold on yeah i know there's more to come aren't there lilac line court haddock lilies What's next in the seafood bouquet, please? Crusty cod chrysanthemum. <laughs> Crusted cod. I'm like, oh, a lovely pine nut crumble. And you're like, no, it's in the shape of a chrysanthemum. You're like, oh, no, not with you. Not with you, Mr. Canapé Man. I have to give a mention to something which is, it's not a food product, but it is Christmassy and it is food inspired. Waitrose mulled spice thick bleach. I can't laugh at that because my mother buys it. (laughs) Fucking icon. I love the sound of this (laughs) spicy bleach. Honestly, 1st of December, everything in my parents' house gets turned into mulled flavour. You get get winter berry hand soap, mulled spice (laughs) dish soap, mulled spice thick bleach. The Christmas flavours come out and fresh pine goes away. I love this because 
I didn't know it was a thing, but also I don't know if you're a Mrs. Hinch fan, but I am. Mm. And she raves about the Harpic pine bleach. Mm. Like it's a staple ingredient for your cupboard. Yeah. And I've got to say, it is good. It is good, is it? It honestly is. It's like perfume for the loo. Wow. So are you quite tempted to go and track down some mold spice thick bleach? Yeah, it's out of stock everywhere Ah. because I think that people know. People, if you know, you know, you know? We've done our field research. We've collected the data. What is your top Christmas sandwich? I think mine has to be pigs under blankets. Pigs under blankets. Yeah, it's my favourite combination. It's got the sausaginess of a breakfast sandwich mm-hmm. and it's got the stuffinginess of a Christmas sandwich. Mm. It's my perfect combination of flavours. Grand. So that was by Tesco? Yeah. What's your Christmas sandwich of the year? Do you know what? I hate to be boring and predictable. And actually, this is quite embarrassing for me, considering how much airtime we've already (laughs) given them. But I still think the best Christmas sandwich is the Marks and Spencer's Turkey Feast. It's a classic for a reason. It's a classic for a reason. It's well filled. (laughs) And it doesn't contain any unnecessary vegetables. Yeah, there's no boiled carrot strip. No spinach that doesn't normally feature on the Christmas dinner table. The bread is perfect. It's not overcomplicated. And crucially, it's not too wet. <laughs> I've not got one this year. I think that after I eat that, I'll finally be in the festive. Babe, if you festive if mode. you go get yourself a lemonade turkey feast, you'll rock it straight up to seventy percent. I can promise you that seventy percent festive, hundred <laughs> percent. And finally, your Christmas chalk. The top Christmas chalk for you is it Tony's? I think it is. Yeah, I've got another bar. So good. It's so good. I think the gingerbread chalk is my chalk of Christmas this year as well. You know, the Tony's one. Yeah. It's exceptional. It's got Christmassy flavour essence, mm. but it's a big hunk of chalk. I, say, I like the thickness of it. It gives me like a real Charlie Bucket vibe. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. I'm like, God, I can't even get my teeth through it. It's such a big bar of chalk. <laughs> Yeah, it's how I felt when I was a kid before they brought in the worst campaign ever about Yorkie bars. I had such a complex. When they did the whole Not For Girls, eat it for like years, but Yorkie was one of my favourite chocolates. And that's why we need feminism. (laughs) (laughs) So today I ventured to Aldi. On an earlier episode of Sunday Roast, Alexanne's Roast of the Week was items of food that have Prosecco added to them that don't need to have Prosecco added to them. I found a culprit today from Aldi and it is the Wensleydale with white chocolate, raspberries and Prosecco in. I could kind of just about get on board with Prosecco and raspberries but as soon as you add that white chocolate in there I'm like kill it with fire. Do you want to know what it smells like? Yes do tell us. Gone off white chocolate. I've never smelt gone off white chocolate. No neither have I but this is what it would smell like. It's very pink and now Cara Davis hater of overly sweet savoury food is going to oh I so don't want to eat this. I feel like this is my bush trucker challenge. (laughs) Okay. That is so vile. I can't. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, it's so horrible. This is Cara has the face of someone who has just had their wisdom teeth removed. Because it's like lumpy. You've got like a lump of white chalk. Oh. oh. And then it goes. And then you're like, oh, this is cheese. The Prosecco, thank God, is not pr- is just not there at all. <laughs> I'm going to have to cleanse my palate with a pigs in blanket crisp. <laughs> Do 10 out of 10 for the pigs in blankets crisps they're amazing yeah that fruity chocolatey cheese is not the one i mean don't they isn't that a famous phrase like it's like opposites like chocolate and cheese yeah i thought you were gonna say isn't it a phrase like you don't get your tits and your legs out at the same time I and mean, it's kind of like that <laughs> this this cheese is the equivalent of the katie price outfit in like mid 2003 this cheese is jodie marsh just wearing that belt on the red carpet <laughs> which you know to some hype fashion so yeah okay is it time for the final roast of 2020 yeah i think so it's gotta be a big one yeah not like me to generalize but my roast of the year 
got to be the government. Anything specific this time or just we're just going the cabinet, the whole the whole damn thing. We're talking waiting to announce lockdown so restaurants can claim their insurance. Yeah. We're talking NPM rule. Yeah. We're talking tiers one, two, and three. Yeah. We're talking no rent relief. Denying those hungry kids food. I, I, I don't need to explain that much because it's all I've bashed all podcasts. And also, there's been no respect for any other religious festivals. Like, they put everyone into lockdown, like two hours before Eid started or something ridiculous and like essentially cancelled mm-hmm. Diwali and there was no respect there for other cultures like religious holidays I mean it's just they've just gone about it the completely wrong way yeah 100% so yeah roasting Tories on an open fire I wish <laughs> <laughs> you don't even like gammon <laughs> you'd hate it my roast of the year is I'm roasting something that has happened in 2020 and that I'm roasting something that's about to preemptively happen in about three weeks time, which is losing your lockdown and Christmas weight. You don't need to lose your lockdown weight because it's just your body. And if you've got through two lockdowns and a whole year of a pandemic in your jeans a size up compared to everybody else, You've really done very well. Please do not listen to the government telling you that your five pounds from eating a bit of pasta is what's going to bankrupt the NHS. Because Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not. There's the evidence of all the hardship of this year is not in your weight and it's not in your waistline and it's not in your clothes size. It's in the mental toll that it's taken on all of us. Yeah. We need to treat ourselves in the way that we treat someone who had been through a massive traumatic event. And that is not, I've got to lose X amount of weight because I failed at looking after myself this year. Because like you said, you got through the year, so you have looked after yourself. Yeah, you've done what it took to get through. And honestly, we could talk about this all day, but being fat does not mean that you're unhealthy being thin does not mean that you are healthy and if we can't learn that we're not moving on there is a huge difference between boris johnson's pate weight and like (laughs) people in the uk's i'm too tired to exercise because i work 14 hour days weight yeah and this year if you've put on pate weight because you've been on furlough (laughs) worrying about being made redundant the pate is delicious pat yourself on your pate (laughs) belly and be like, well, pate is tasty and I made it through. And good job. Mm-hmm. Good job, everyone. To end on a high note, what's your toast of the year, Cara? My toast of the year, my absolute best thing, is the kindness and hospitality that food service businesses all over the UK have shown to people in need this year. You know, restaurants and cafes and People everywhere who didn't know if they could afford to keep running their restaurant and paying their staff have opened their doors and given homeless people soup and given children meals and said to turn up and get food from me. Have packed up their kitchen and made Michelin star meals for old people who were shielding. And that generosity of food and spirit has been overwhelming this year and just does show Mm -hmm. and prove how much food like brings people together even in a time where we literally couldn't be together. They've gone above and beyond to be generous and hospitable. Yeah, it's definitely a testament to their character that there's been so many amazing and moving stories Mm. from different brands, different restaurants, different chefs that really show like the character and the creativity of these places. Yeah, 100%. I just think the food industry this year has been dealt a really difficult card and all they've done is be brilliant. That's my toast of the year. We have eaten, we have drunk, we have been merry. And we have drunk too much and been a bit bitchy. And I think that is truly (laughs) the true meaning of Christmas. Um, We have loved our first season. Yeah, and it's been a spectacular year of food and drink 
Despite our apprehensions and sometimes downright condemnations, this has been a real year of food creativity and we've loved seeing all the different ways in which that's come out. For sure, 2021's got a lot to live up to. And so with that, and to all a good night, we wish you a very, very (laughs) Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. And we will see you all in 2021 for season two of Sunday Roast. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 